0: Welcome to Managing Marketing and today we're sitting in the beautiful winter sunshine of of London Town and I'm uh, catching up with a good friend and a, uh, a long-term friend, James Welshu, is probably better known as a business development guru from around the world. Welcome, James. <laughs> Hi, Darren. Good to see you here in London. Actually, it's probably you're better known as the sort of master networker, aren't you? I, I don't know how many times you've connected me with interesting people that you've met along your journey.
1: Well, we, I remember the dinners that we, we used to do uh, in, in Sydney when I was living there, and I think most of the people who who had dinner with us at those tables have ended up either working for you or or being a client of yours at some stage. So uh, I think we should um, work work out some sort of um, percentage on that, shouldn't we?
0: (laughs) Always looking for the angle. (laughs) (laughs) And that's probably one of the things that's made you such a good business development person, isn't it? Because it's it's in a way a dual uh, objective. One is to grow the business, but not necessarily just going straight out for the money.
1: Well, you've got to add value. Uh, if you don't add value regularly, I mean, you end up like a Moroccan carpet salesman. You're just trying to make as much money as you can as, as you can off that tourist on that one trip. But in the service industry, we've got to add value the whole time, and that's one of the things that's been interesting. So, since we met uh, twelve years ago in in, uh, in Sydney, um, it's been interesting having a look at
0: how things work in different countries uh, over the, over the last few years. So. Because you have worked, I mean, you started out in London. You, you were born and grew up in the UK, but you and and you, I remember you had a very big job uh, as new business or business development director across Europe before you uh, came to Sydney. So, Just give a, us some background.
1: So, I was working first for um, the new media agency, as it was in those days, do uh, Don Aegis networks, uh, Visium, that took all of the carat second string agencies and turned them into their own network. Um, and that was an interesting eye opener because you know, they, they would call themselves the uh, the magicians of memory, the chemists of conversation, and campaign. Which is saying, why why don't you call yourselves the wizards of wank? Uh, <laughs> and the MD of the, uh, the of the office then said, how do we go to market when you know the press is already making fun of us? Yeah. Um, so it's looking to how to just let people know that you've got something fabulous and and you've got a story to tell and. You can still do the basics. So having the table table stake entries of we can deliver the day job, but also having something better and above and beyond. And I think the British agencies taught me a lot by showing how they can do the the, the basic and, and about go above and beyond. Uh, and and working with um, the team at y and um, after visiting before I came out to Australia on the European role was was an i was looking at how you have the, the three different functions of new business. You've got the the new new business where you're going out and pitching um, and then you've got the, um, the other side of things which is the um, working with current clients just to uh, upsell, upsell, cross cross-sell and, and add value and be known for adding value. And the third thing was conversion uh, of pitches because everyone's always pitching and you know, if you win one in four, then that's, that's not great. You should be doing better.
0: And that's one of the reasons I wanted to sit down and have this conversation because you and I, over the years, we've talked a lot, but I don't think we've ever had a chance to really sit down and talk about uh, pitching because, you know, from my perspective, I worked in agencies as a creative person and worked on a lot of pitches. But the last almost 20 years, I've been running pictures and seeing pictures being uh, sort of rolled out around the world. And so I was really interested to get your perspective. So from y you came down under. Why? Um, came down because,
1: frankly, y shut down. It's a European new business function. Um, so Marcus Brown, who I was working, with, working for at the time, went off to go and run their uh, Geneva offices. Um, and I thought rather than look elsewhere in the y network across Europe, I would jump down to Australia having the Aussie passport. It was an opportunity that I could take. So I did. thought I'd go for six months, stayed six years, met a girl, got married, had kids and all that kind of thing. Um, That's so sweet. I know. Uh, it was a fabulous time. But the difference between working for uh, a, a very structured team as there were, was under uh, Marcus. Um, was also looking, uh, and then moving to Australia, was um, the new business function isn't a structured function in, in Australia. So the MD does it all, but he runs the business. He, he's making sure the payroll's happy. He's making sure that the clients are happy. And he's supposed to be the
0: great networker who's out there
1: making sure that everybody wants to work with his agency.
0: That is such a great observation because the Australian market does not realise how underdeveloped they are as far as new business goes. So I'm so glad that you've actually been able to articulate that. Well, it, and the thing is, it's it's seen as a cost or well, we can't afford a new
1: business person. But the new business person should pay for themselves. Admittedly, in ad land, it's not a... like an, advertising technology, um, all of the sales guys there are very based on um, uh, on, on, on sales commissions. and p- commissions. Yeah. Um, but in, in ad land, nobody works on commission. It's always salaries with a bonus. If, if you're lucky, it's a month's salary at the end of the year type thing. Mm. Um, and that doesn't make any sense. Um, business development, it's got to add value. And I, um, I recently did a, uh, the Mark Ritson uh, Mini MBA uh, marketing course with Marketing Week. And one of the lines that he uses in that is very much um, when he goes in to pitch a new idea and if the, if the client doesn't like the idea, he goes, look, I'm here to make you money. And if you don't want to make money, then I won't have to run it like this. Mm. And that's how the new business function is. It's a performance marketing role. Uh, rather than anything else, we call it business development or, or new business, but it's really performance marketing. So how do you go out there, market your business, and then put dollars to the, the the return that you can have on the investment of that person's salary? But you have to let them do things their own way, create the collateral they want to do. Um, you know, as, as at Trinity P three, you have regular and fabulous. I say this just for content, for you, content regularly yeah, yeah. the whole time, but. Um,
0: <laughs> I love you too, James.
1: Um But it, it's, it's important to be out there. And some of it, uh, it has to, to be stuff that sticks with your audience. And if we can't market ourselves, then as agencies, then something's going wrong. People say that you know, architects live in half, half-built houses and cobblers' children have no shoes. But frankly, for agencies, that's bollocks. You've got to be able to be good at positioning yourself in the market so you have to have regular content.
0: So one of the things I've found with the Australian agencies, and I'll be interested in your observation here, is that when I say to them, you need to market yourself, you need to position yourself and you need to to communicate that value proposition as part of your new business, they really struggle because they want to be everything to everyone. And they're scared about having a positioning because suddenly it could possibly not be what the client wants. I think that
1: that speaks for itself because everybody knows that agencies are fabulous by and large at helping their clients position themselves perfectly. And you can't be all things to all people all the time. Um, you can be known for one thing, but you can also use that to build across other places. But I think what it is, it's just getting out there and it's not what you just said. I think it's just um, laziness. that they can't, don't have, they can't make time because they're too busy on the day job to get out and position themselves and do do everything else for themselves. Um, It's clear that when you look at um, the way big agencies are winning business now, it's not about their agency. It's about how they're positioning themselves to the client, that they can help that client make money. Uh, And therefore, they will work closely with uh, the, the publishers, they will work closely with other agencies that specialize in other parts of the marketing mix of the promotional side of things. Um, that's where we need to help the other agencies see that that's the way forward. And it's not just the big agencies run out of New York, London or Zurich. It, it's got to be uh, everybody everywhere has to be able to collaborate. It's the collaboration of the agencies um, that is
0: structured to create integration of the story from the client's perspective. Because one of the things you said before about the lesson from y and R, you know, the idea of there was three parts to new business. It's really interesting how often people measure the success of a new business or business development person by how many pitches they win. But in actual fact, there's more measures to success of that than just the pitches, isn't there? I think the most important part of um, those three points is
1: the the farming of the current business, and I think it should be measured purely on how are we helping the agency create more collateral, more content that talks about the expertise internally that first the current clients embrace and therefore revenue goes up. And then secondly, they get m- noted externally through PR and other marketing means. Um, and thirdly, it's the pitch winning rate and the dollars associated to those pitches because quite often You win a pitch, not on your fabulous um, experience, but you win it because you're cheaper than everybody else. Uh, And if that's how you're winning all your pitches, you're not making money uh, on those clients to begin with. So it takes some time to win a client and then make money on that client because you do have to be outrageously competitive in years one and two until they start to trust you and say, okay, we can spend some more with you. Because
0: on um, on pitches, winning pitches isn't about actually the pitch itself, is it? You know, there's, there's two ways of winning a pitch. One is that you actually win the pitch before you even get to present to the client. And the other is you have to work really hard to catch up because it's landed in your lap as an opportunity and then you have to convert it. And you must have experienced both of those. Um, I, I think there's another element to it is
1: having the, you know, Cliche, well, the, the traditional expression of the chemistry. Um, I think, it, and the chemistry doesn't just come from being brightest or um, cheapest. Um, it comes from listening and really understanding and having done the right research at the right time, but and being engaging in the in the meetings. Um, I'd rather position it as that rather than
0: um, uh, you know, any other way. Because mm. uh, I guess what I'm talking about is when, you know, as a pitch consultant, you come to an agency and you say, well, there's an opportunity to pitch. But if you've already been out and made contact with the clients, those potential clients who are now asking you to pitch, you've already given yourself a bit of a uh, a, a start on your competitors in winning that pitch, haven't you? And also, it's
1: the brand is, is the story that... Uh, other people are talking about you. So what what's your reputation in the market? I mean, So the, the pitch that I, I worked with your colleagues on uh, at the end of uh, last year um, and beginning of this year was very much looking at how um, that brand could start, a famous global brand could start uh, a new product across the Middle East where mm-hmm. I've been working at that time. And uh, it was interesting to see, hear how some of the agencies when they heard about who, who the client was, um, presumed it would go straight away to the incumbent of a different division. and But they've got a head start, but it's, they're not a given, this is a new product. Uh, and they go, well, and then they start to explain them, themselves uh, and how they are in the market. And it's totally their perspective rather than the perspective that I'd heard from these particular agencies elsewhere in the market. So I think it's understanding how you, you perceive yourself as opposed to how other people can perceive you and to address that consciously with the content that you're producing, you want to be known for this. Uh, and if you want to be known for a thousand things, then you have to produce a lot more content mm. over a much longer period. It's just a marketing
0: uh, yeah. communications plan. Because it's be, people do business, first of all, with people that they know, mm. and secondly, with people that they like, isn't it? Do you remember the um, uh, Adam Morgan's book, The um, Eating
1: the Big Fish? Yeah. Um, about challenger brands. About challenger brands. Well, one of his, his comments in there was um, you know, people don't buy uh, Pyramids and Onions, um, talking about the, this, the brand strategy, people buy people. Uh, and so because it's a B2B business that, that we're in, in, in the service industry, in agency land, we've got to recognize that, mm-hmm. but we also have to recognize that talking of agency land, it's changing. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got the 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 fact that you know I mentioned ad tech earlier. So I worked a lot across Asia Pacific. That's right. Because after Sydney, you moved to Singapore, working for a WPP owned programmatic trading desk outside of Group M. I say that because it wasn't Zaxis at the time, uh, and we had a um, a fairly transparent model. I say that because programmatic has never been as as transparent as it should be. Uh, it was a, an interesting time and it was all about education. And so my sales technique wasn't to sell anything to anybody. It was just to explain what we can do with programmatic uh, as opposed to what other people are doing with programmatic and therefore what the difference is. So you know, I never said it, but I always thought we, we ripped off our
0: clients less. <laughs> but uh, In a way, um, you say it's education, but you needed to educate clients because up to that point, programmatic pretty much, and, and in many places still is, a black box where money comes in one end and supposedly ads are served out the other. So to actually educate people, if not about how that black box works, but what you can actually achieve by using that technology the right way, was a really important thing to do. It's like explaining the
1: difference between the old PC and, and the old Mac. And so well, actually one's just a lot easier to use mm. and as quicker solutions for you. Um, And I think that's the way forward is just to explain the benefits. And if people want to know what's under the hood, now in the land of programmatic, people are explaining how it works um, and and how they need to make money on it, Uh, and how everybody can make money on on the the idea of programmatic. And it's through understanding audiences and the data. Um, I I know a a lot of different marketers find the word data difficult because it's something that's a bit too technical for them. But if you ask them to talk about their audiences, they can talk till the cows come home. So if we just stop talking about data and start talking about audiences Mm -hmm. and how we can target them better, faster, cheaper, more accurately um, or less accurately if we want to do just a broadcast campaign, then that's going to help everybody understand what we can achieve today. So I I think Mm -hmm. that... Uh, or you, oh, you don't sound convinced.
0: Oh, look, the only caveat I'd put is I think uh, data properly used helps you get a much clearer supported view of who your audience is. And the reason I say that is marketers love talking about their audience, but often the the information, the data, proves that their view of their audience is very different to who their audience actually is. And that's why I think... You know the role of. I, I get your point about data scares people because it seems like something that's impenetrable. But I have to tell you, when I, when I've worked with data scientists, these are the people that take the numbers and turn it into a um, articulation of the findings. Um, you suddenly get such a rich view of customer that you may not have had before. Everyone walks around in marketing with this uh, this perception of who their customer is, and it's based on personal experience, anecdote, and probably quite a substantial amount of ego. And data, for me, is the part that proves, disproves, or shapes the way that you can start to see your customer. Well, if, if you're in the States and you're trying to sell
1: sports shoes online and you think these are perfect for the 20-year-old, you know, cool young women, uh, or whatever the audience yeah. might be, and you find out through the data of the online purchasing that actually um, it's, you know, middle-aged um, people are, are wearing them to go for, to, you know, for their uh, you know, early evening strolls, and it's not the, the cool kids wearing them uh, down the, the fashionable streets, then yes, you can see that. But at the same time, do you want to just make money, or do you want to reposition your shoes? Uh, and it's you know, um, it's working out this you know, the strategy. So uh, Charlie Robertson, who passed away recently, uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if you know him from yeah. Red Spider. Um, I worked with him in, in his team in Sydney, actually. Um, and he yeah, had this lovely one slide that said, "Advertising can only go wrong in three places: strategy, idea, and execution." <laughs> uh, and, and it's a great line, and it's something worth everybody knowing. And I think it's, you know, when you came out of university and you went for your first interview, um, it was the thing that you, uh, it was the thing that I'd read somewhere and it was the thing that I would always do is make sure that you had for every, you know, what's your favorite advertising campaign? Well, and then you describe it because of the strategy, the idea and the execution. You, and you may not be right in the strategy or the idea of the execution, but at least you understand the principle of it. Yeah, And I think that gets lost a, a lot today because people see the shiny thing over here, which is very tactical it's the execution. So we need to be on Facebook. Well, hang on, what are we strategically trying to improve? Our, uh, to, to improve. Um, and a great big idea happens and then we find a way to shoehorn it onto Twitter um, because we think rather than going, okay, what's the business objective? And what's the audience objective and how do we get there? And the agency strategists will be Hammering that through the rest of the agency, but somebody knows that we need to have a an Instagram uh, presence for this because the <laughs> client likes Instagram. They're very tactic, active tactic, tactic, and and then they try and shoo on it back into the other points. And is it the client's fault? Is it the agency's fault? It's all of our fault. You know, we all have to think, take a step back, and go, does this make sense, or is it we just doing it for the sake of doing it? Um, and coming back to will it make money? So I think I, I'm a fan of the the expression performance marketing i said it before for about new business uh, business development but all marketing has to perform you know, it may not be about about financial performance although the cfo probably disagrees with that <coughs> it has to be about something so working out what that performance is and did we achieve that that's something that we need to remind ourselves a lot more and when it coming back to the original point of agency business development is it performing
0: and back to your point what does performance look like for the different stakeholders mm. So you mentioned before that um, agencies are transforming. And one of the things that agencies need to start to do is think of themselves as a business and as brands and start to have a positioning in the marketplace. Because the first thing I notice is there's way too many agencies. And secondly, if they're not standing for anything, they still, they largely stand for nothing. So to your point, I mean, the role of performance marketing for agencies has become really important. The agencies that we know and love
1: have been around for a very long time, and they've built their own brand. And that brand is hard to break until the agency breaks itself because it's not making enough money. Wonderman Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think Wonderman is a fabulous brand, and i started my career out at JWT. So I've loved JWT from you know, yesteryear. Um, and they've not done well recently, uh, and I think Wonderman will do a great job having the above-the-line team. But mm-hmm. did it need to be shoehorned together? And as many people have noted, the the brand uh, Wonderman Thompson isn't the most creative or innovative. Um, let's hope they create enough collateral to make it uh, come across as one you know as innovative,
0: or well, give it meaning and create a desirability for clients wanting to work there. Work with them, but again, it comes back to the new business team. we
1: Are often quite young, junior people who are enthusiastic, gregarious, and um, need more structure and and perhaps even training towards it. Um, to, towards what they're trying to do and realizing that new business is, you know, a sales and marketing role. Yeah. So, um, uh, and actually, I want to plug Marcus Brown from YNR days because he's just set up a business that does just that. It helps set up training programs for agencies and it's not just a new business team, because it's everybody's business. Uh, And the the second side of it um, is uh, making sure that you're going to win the pitch and give yourself an an advantage to winning pitches because it's about bringing your brand to life in the pitch. So I think uh, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity for agencies to create more brand uh, Mm -hmm. and they can learn a lot from uh, ad tech companies who spend a lot of time and money making sure they're at every event and everybody knows what they do and why they do it and how they differentiate from their competitors so that they can be used. Or the management consultancies. Nobody really knows how Deloitte, PwC and Accenture differentiates themselves uh, internally. Um, but externally, they are really getting out to try and talk to people about how they can do all of these different services and they're talking at a very high level to the right people in the right place and they're opening doors that agencies can't open yet mm. by and large because they're not talking to the marketing managers, they're talking to the chief execs and the CFOs. Much higher up the uh, the hierarchy. But it's still a marketing job. It's, yeah. it's a B2B marketing and knowing who your audience is and where you're going to make money in the long run. And I think that's something that the agencies can start to, to learn from. Um, all the consultancies are going to continue doing what they're doing in Australia, perhaps better than anywhere else right now, which is
0: cutting the grass of the the agency landscape. Now, on a personal level, you spent how long in Singapore before you moved to Dubai? Um, Just under three years.
1: So it was, uh, love Singapore, love Asia. God, it's an exciting part of the world with some really talented people, um, really doing some amazing stuff. And some really untalented people making amazing amounts of money, not knowing what they're doing. <laughs> so
0: there's opportunity for everybody here in, in Asia Pacific. Yeah, and then um, and the Middle East. What uh, what attracted you there? The warm weather or the uh, um, it was one or step, the opportunity
1: one step closer to to Europe to drag the family back. Um, what enticed me to the Middle East was the fact that there's massive opportunity there. There's um, a changing landscape from an agency side. Um, where a lot of the old guard have retired quite quickly over the last four or five years uh, and got new managing directors in place in, in the agencies, which is a fabulous uh, revitalization of the marketplace. Um, the agencies are really starting to look around the globe to see how they can do things better, faster, quicker uh, and add value. Um, I think the marketers, there's a handful of marketers who are, are, are really... Looking to do things very differently. Uh, and I've met a lot of um, great marketers who are, are starting to reevaluate the, the point of having these agencies. And do they just go straight to the Googles and Facebooks of this world because they have a stronger B2B brand in the Middle East than a lot of the agencies, um, apart from the, the ones that win all the awards at all the uh, events?
0: It certainly is an interesting uh, and emerging region creatively because, you know, you're seeing cultural changes, you know, Saudi Arabia uh, is starting to open up with, you know, women driving and they've started showing uh, uh, films, movies, Uh, you know, the the whole region has all of these signposts. In your time there, what what was a distinctively different uh, thing about business development and what was something that's exactly the same around the world? Um, I found found myself in the Middle East working more
1: with advertisers than agencies. The advertisers knew that there was, uh, and that's why I say over the five years there was change in the agencies because there had to be. The advertisers were looking for better performing marketing uh, and how to get ripped off less. As I said before, that was an expression that came to mind while I was in Dubai um, because one of the advertiser said to me is, I, I think we're not getting great value from, from our agencies. And even though they were being audited, and they were doing the right things ostensibly, they didn't feel they were getting the right service. And I think it was because the agencies weren't um, trying to adapt as quickly as they felt they needed, as, as quickly as they should, because they were still doing an okay job, and nobody was asking anything new of them. Oh, so, well, nothing
0: was broke, so why fix it?
1: So, the, so the, the market has really changed over the last few years and it's exciting to see how that's changed. And I think over the coming five years, in, in a way, it's a bit to have left just now because it's really picking up and some of the, 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 the teams at the Marketing Society, which we set up over there um, while I was in, in the country, uh, sorry, in the UAE, um, was really seeing how uh, the new conversations coming to the table. From the the side of the marketers, locally and internationally, new people coming into the market, and I think that's something that is a great place to watch out for, mm. seeing what comes out of there, and creatively, some of the best work globally is going to be coming from that part of the world, because I think they can leapfrog over some of the uh, the legacies that the rest of the world has to worry about.
0: Yeah, and now you've uh, come back to London,
1: London. Uh, back home. Uh, It's been a long time. It doesn't feel like home this time because I've come back with a new family. So it's just the next step in the adventure. Um, The market's exciting. There's so much happening. There's so much uh, insecurity in the market. Uncertainty. Well, there's that Brexit thing. Um, There's also a massive amount of talent in the market. Uh, which is trying to develop things digitally, helping to explain what we can do better in the way of uh, audience, um, changing the way audiences see the brands uh, and audience measurement. And I, I think that's where I'm going to be focusing my time from now on, is really helping people Um, look at the data that that is available today and understanding how those audiences can do things differently if we can persuade them with the right message and the right content regularly, whether it's a B2B audience or a um,
0: a B2C audience. Mm -hmm. So um, from your experience across all those markets, and they're quite different, what are the things that have really reinforced for you about what it takes to develop a business to actually build a business, to drive new business, to drive revenue, um, to be successful. So some sales smart ass once said,
1: you know, we've got two ears and one mouth, and that's what's most important about sales. Um, I I think it's the listening side of it. and Listening is not just from conversations with individuals, but also listening to what works and what doesn't work in iteration. So the speed to market that you can have of a new... speed before used to be when something happened in the news uh, you'd have the, the funny, you know, the funny uh, advertisement in the newspaper the next day that used to be lightning fast reaction mm. um, today obviously it's way faster than that you can automate that with dynamic creative uh, you can do all sorts of wondrous things with technology but it's working out how to pre-plan just as before Pre- you know, prior preparation is a, a vital part of it uh, and that's where the great businesses that are adapting quickly uh, and have the the process in place to be able to adapt quickly um, are the ones that are doing great things going forwards and it's the managing directors of those businesses that are starting to think about change management internally so that you can adapt for the external market. So agencies It's been well documented that agencies need to change internally, and they are, but are they changing fast enough? Are advertisers and marketing departments changing fast enough to be able to do things correctly? I saw in a client I was working in the Middle East, a large digital transformation project taking place, but there was no change management process put in place for that, and that was then realized afterwards and that' was when I was coming in to say actually you know, they, they went out to go and find people to help them understand internally what does digital marketing mean um, what is the new CRM system going to mean that for all the different people mm. in all the different markets
0: it's interesting isn't it because you know, um, businesses are so uh, uh, focused these days on um, innovation but often overlook the need to evolve, the underlying business to support the innovation. I mean, innovation in of itself says to move forward, to take quantum leaps in the way you do things, the way you deliver the services you deliver, the products you make. But you have to also, at the same time, not necessarily innovate the underlying infrastructure, but evolve the underlying infrastructure to support that future state. It's a bit like the military. You know, the uh, they they'd say, right, we're going to get to this point. Tomorrow. Well, you have to also organise that all of your supplies will be arriving there soon after you do. Otherwise, you end up stuck out in no man's land with nothing to uh, allow you to move forward. As the direct marketers of yesteryear
1: knew more than anybody else when it wasn't cool to be in direct marketing, (laughs) um, which now in the digital world, under a different name, it's it's the cool place to be. Um, It's about uh, pre-planning thinking of all the different options and scenarios that are coming, scenario planning, mm. and and thinking the what if, and that's why that wonderful agency that went bust many years ago I think. Did it go bust what if? Yes. Um, <laughs> which is a pity because it was a fabulous place and I'd love to have seen how they could have evolved and, and thought of their own what if uh, mm. scenarios. Um, it's important, everyone's changing, uh, even the Facebooks of this world are being heavily criticized for not changing fast enough. Um, we need to be more nimble and to work out how to do that, and that costs money. But then come back to the scenario planning: of what's it going to cost us up front to the value that that's going to create for us to do it. Um, we need to be wiser as to who to put in place, where and when, so that we can
0: make more money in tomorrow's world. Hmm. Now, I've got a more of a personal question or a personal perspective that I want from you, which right. is: you are a person who, for me, um, is. Very good at building relationships, building networks of, of people and friends and, and contacts. Is there a difference culturally in doing that from you know from Sydney to Singapore to Dubai to London? Or is it really that human beings are all very, very similar?
1: Everyone uh Across the globe has a similar, similar slash selfish outlook, Uh, and I think it's appealing how to appeal to other people's selfish outlook. So where, 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 where do you? What do you like, and what do they like too? That's just. the the Venn diagram of, I like this, they like that, let's talk about the stuff in the middle. Um, But I'll learn a little bit about the other stuff too so that I
0: look like I'm actually interested. God, I sound shallow. Um, But what I found um, working in different... But what you mean is find the commonality. Yeah. Find find what it is that connects you and then build on that. And And all human beings are the same? Uh, No. All cultures are very different. Um,
1: But fundamentally individuals if you look at that principle, it's that what what they find interesting and what I find interesting adapts in different markets, um, and I, I think there are different ways to understand people's approach and the cultural approach and the things you can and can't talk about, uh, and understanding that some people will respond to you uh, quickly and some people very slowly. Yeah. Um, you know, you were talking uh, earlier um, before before we went on on recording about. Uh, the Swiss German approach and the British approach, and and how the Brits like to keep things to themselves a lot more than the Swiss Germans, who will just be straight open uh, and quicker to get to the point from a business perspective. Um, And and I think there there are the cliches about different cultures and and the jokes about the different cultures. Uh, I think it's to be aware of those cliches and work out for yourself, market by market, which cliches uh, are valuable uh, to to, understand and which ones are just good for a joke and nothing beyond. Mm.
0: Yeah, so uh, I've just noticed the time. Thank you, James. It's been uh, great catching up and having this conversation. Been a delight, good to catch up with you on this side of the world, Darren. So, uh, but before we go, we're next after London.